It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, helping you take your next wise step in your financial life every single week. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host and one of the certified financial planners on the show, as well as Joshua Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Yeah, it's time to start selecting your employee benefits for the next year. And so really the question is, what is your approach when making your decisions? Which benefits do you definitely need to select and which ones should you definitely avoid? And that answer and much more coming up this hour. It's that time again. That means it's fall, folks. I mean, school oh, here, man. football. Hey, football that's, that's one good thing. Let's you know, go. Thanksgiving, already starting to think about that. Hey, if you have a question, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. You can connect with us three different ways. First, call or text 574-222-2000. That will send a question right to me, and we will address it on an upcoming show. Next, you can connect with us online, wisemoneyradio.com. You can catch up on previous episodes right there as well and submit questions right there on the right. Lastly, follow along Facebook and Twitter, plus soon, Wise Money Radio. Uh, on YouTube Come on. and other ways. We're going to be broadcasting the show, which would be awesome. And that's coming up here soon. Hey, we are kicking this show off with the question of the week. It comes from listener Chris. Here's what Chris asked. I'm just starting a new job and need to select which employee benefits to sign up for. As I was making my selection, life insurance stood out to me. Is it good to buy life insurance through work or not? Thank you. That's a that's a fantastic question. Although it doesn't seem like it's starting earlier this year. It does. I mean, normally, I would think of open enrollment season as maybe second half of October, November, that sort of thing. But the questions are coming earlier, and it could be maybe your in your particular employer uh, just has a different renewal timeline, that sort of thing. But every yeah. time I get this question in a financial planning meeting, I think to myself. And how how would you answer this question if you weren't doing financial planning? Right. You know, questions like, uh, do I use the group life insurance at work, as Chris is asking, or other people, maybe they still have more than one health insurance option available to them. Mm -hmm. Do I do one versus another? Um, you know, do you do short-term disability? These, these are all questions that often they get put in front of you again year after year, and if your only decision-making process was just, hey, is it cheap? You know, is the price reasonable? Uh, do you just kind of make a big guess? What, what What's is it? the guy next to me doing? Yep. You, you ask a, a neighbor or a friend or something like that. But, um, you know, if I can get on my financial planning soapbox for a moment. Go ahead. It's hiding um, under the table. That's right. I feel like this is one of those decisions that it touches so many areas of your financial life. Uh, you, you think about your cash flow, for example. That's a present financial position issue. That's one of the key disciplines of your, your financial plan. Uh, it's also a question, obviously, about insurance and whether or not you have the right resources being left behind 
if your family survives you, you know, after some some crazy accident or something like that. Even things like how long do you need to have your life insurance in place? That's a question that needs to be uh, coordinated with your retirement outlook and, and that timeline. Uh, who do you choose as beneficiaries? So, so this one question that Chris is posing really shouldn't be asked outside of the context of a financial plan. That's the context that we obviously want you to be inspired to make these decisions inside of. So the very first point, folks, is if you have this question, you should be talking to your certified financial planner. Now we're going to hit, we're not, we're not only just going to hit life insurance, which is Chris's question, we're going to talk about the other benefit choices and we're going to tell you some ideas. There are ideas, but it's generic to you right? You've got to sit down with your certified financial planner and talk about, all right, do I need this type of protection or not? What's very appropriate in my situation? Yeah. So this is a great question, Chris. And as I think, as I was thinking about it, today, the average person changes jobs 10 to 15 times in their career. Yeah. Wow. We've talked on the show, sorry to interrupt, but we've talked on the show about how that change in income can interrupt your financial life. Your 401k, you don't make progress on because you're not eligible for a certain amount of time or getting matches. And even here, what benefits you have and the stability of those benefits. Right. So although you uh, you've, you guys brought up the idea, make sure you're working with your financial planner on these ideas and make sure your financial planner is certified. But I would say to you, Chris, how dependent do you want to be on your benefits through work? Mm-hmm. And we're going to kind of walk you through and say, hey, here's where it might be okay to be dependent upon the benefits through work and where it might be a little better to get them through work. And here's where you might want to have it on your own, purchased outside of work and completely portable. Yeah. Because if the 10 to 15 times job change statistic is correct, and if, Chris, if you are average or above average, you're you're starting a job right now, this is either your first job or you've just changed jobs. So that suggests that within five years, you may be doing the same thing. Mm. So as I look at this, I think about um, life insurance. And when you look at the various benefits, when we talk about the ones that are better off to buy through work, it really depends on the company. There are some companies where the group life insurance through work is very reasonably priced. There are most companies where the the group life insurance isn't reasonably priced because they're they're having to underwrite across the board for every employee mm. in in the whole shop, the whole office, the whole whatever it is. So if I'm an employee there and I've only got um, one kidney and one lung and I'm on oxygen, and I've got an alcohol problem and a few other things that that suggest that my life expectancy isn't going to be what the next guy is, I still get to buy in at the same rate that the triathlete in the cubicle next to me is buying in. See, that's why I'm glad we're recording this. Soon it'll be on Facebook, maybe YouTube as well. People could see my scowl as you're talking. You're (laughs) you're approaching it all from, in my opinion, Mr. Corhorn, from the, the wrong angle. You're talking about price. And, and you're talking about the employer. And it actually depends a lot on you because what Kevin was just leaning into is, do you lead a healthy life? And if you do, most likely 
it's going to be better for you to purchase your life insurance outside of work where that's based on your health history, not the person with the one kidney and all these issues yeah. next to you. Hang the on. other thing. Sounds yeah, like I you're could be the referee sounds, here, though. It does sound like you're getting back to the I, price I issue there, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's, no, there's, Thank you for making Kevin's point for him but is what he's saying. There's one other issue, though. The other problem with just basing it on price at work is price for what? Often, if you're buying your life insurance through work, you're capped. You're capped at 50000 or 150000 or X times your salary. Folks, you need to approach it from a needs analysis standpoint. Yes. Don't look at cost first. Cost is a very important part of the equation. But what? how much do you need? And rarely have I seen someone be able to get the right amount of insurance through the employer because there are limits on how much you can get. Well, that's exactly right. But what your point is, is you, you need to have a process for figuring out what the right amount of insurance is, and then you decide where's the best place to buy it, right? I just met with a client uh, earlier this week. They Their employer allows them to have two times their salary without going through underwriting of any kind, mm. which is helpful because, you know, he admitted, boy, I'm not in the kind of health uh, condition that I really want to be, and I, I think I'm going uh, to get better, but um, he's capped. You know, going out and buying his own health insurance through a private insurance company might be more expensive than what he could really handle. But because of some, I, I would argue, pretty generous uh, options at work, to be able to get a decent amount of, of life insurance without going through underwriting at all, that's something that we were going to take advantage of. And then, unfortunately, it's not enough. As you said, you're capped. If he needed to go even higher, as he does, um, he would have to go through medical underwriting and answer a whole bunch of questions. And that's often an issue if you are, for instance, if you're too short for your weight. Um, <laughs> Why are you looking at me when you said that? <laughs> <laughs> or you have a family health issues my my mother died of ovarian cancer in every life insurance app i've ever filled out i had to put that down i may die of cancer but i'm certain it won't be ovarian cancer and so (laughs) yet the the underwriters look at this and I, i i pay extra because of my family's health history that's right well speaking of the the cancer issue what about disability insurance do you get disability insurance through your employer and the litany of other options? We've got a lot more here that we need to hit with this whole question of which employee benefits do you select and which ones do you pass? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn, the three of us back again here in the KFG studios. Thanks for spending part of your Saturday with us. Uh, special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Kern, and Keene for their sponsorship of the Wise Money Show, as well as First State Bank. Uh, we had Darla Kaufman on the show a couple weeks ago talking about digital banking. If you missed anything, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Plus, check us out, wisemoneyradio.com. You can catch up that ep- that episode and any others that you missed as well. Lastly, real quick, have a question. Call, text 574-222-2000. That goes right to me. We'll hit it on an upcoming show. We are tackling the question of the week. It's from Chris. Here's what he said. Starting a new job, have to select my employee benefits. As I was making my selection, 
life insurance stood out. Should I get my life insurance through work or not? And we're actually going to blow that up to talk about all the other employee benefit options that you have available to you. First and foremost, we said you've got to you've got to address this specific to your overall financial situation. Tune into all six areas of your financial life by connecting with your certified financial planner before making these decisions. But then we've been kind of bantering as to should you, when should you, should you not get life insurance through work? Yeah, and as long as you're uh, giving some shout outs there, you mentioned Ledoux, Kern, and Keene, the law firm of, and I'll tell you what, Jamie Haig and Mark Crinity have come through in the most amazing ways for our clients in the last couple of weeks. So we really appreciate them. Tim Kern's awesome as well. So back to the matter at hand. So Chris asked a great question. Chris, hopefully what you heard us say is start first with what amount of life insurance do I need? It's, it's a risk. If I die today, what is going to what bills are going to be unpaid what financial goals are going to be unmet what kind of lifestyle do my survivors need to have and how is that going to be funded so start with the amount working with your certified financial planner determine the amount once you know what the amount is then determine the types of insurance Mm. hang on though because that amount everything that you just described needs to just be emphasized over and over on this show because you were describing a process for determining what the right amount of of life insurance. I ran into someone recently that was kind of sharing their philosophy on life insurance with me. And he basically described, hey, if I pass away, there's a little bit of money that gets left behind to my spouse. She'll have enough to finish paying off the mortgage, get our youngest the rest of the way through college, and then have a year or so before she needs to get remarried. Oh, And I was surprised by it. I actually wondered if he was joking at first, but he he wasn't. His assumption was that life insurance just wasn't important. The dollar amount could be really small because as long as she just gets remarried, then everything will work out. Yeah, no pressure. That's a pretty major assumption, right? (laughs) No pressure, honey. (laughs) Right. I I wondered. (laughs) (laughs) I've already set up your profile on christianmingle.com. There you go. (laughs) Farmersonly.com. only. Best commercial ever, by the way. That is interesting. Yeah, but okay, so Kevin, you were going to the types of insurance. I hadn't hadn't really thought about this. You have accidental death and dismemberment. Yep. You've got life insurance on your kids. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. Accidental death and dismemberment. My my father had that when I started working with him and helping my folks doing their financial planning. And I said, Dad, you've got all this. I think it was a million dollars or something crazy like this of accidental death and dismemberment. And it's it cost four dollars and ninety five cents a year or something ridiculous like that. So you get all this insurance for this little amount. And I said, well, why do you have this? And he said, well, because at work there was a guy that had a bunch of accidental death and dismemberment and died by accident, and his widow got the money. So all us guys at work all have it. And I said, okay, well, that's interesting. Do you know why it's so incredibly cheap? And the reason why it's so incredibly cheap is because it's so unlikely to happen. Yeah, so the opposite. He, he was saying uh, based on proximity, based on bias. Hey, I've seen it happen, therefore I should have it. But mm-hmm. it's so cheap because it actually truly rarely happens. Right. And well, and so, so, so b- the big thing is don't, don't, don't confuse buying 
accidental death and dismemberment life insurance as, okay, I'm covered. That's all I need. Right. Don't don't make that mistake. Right. Well, and, and think about this. You know, a lottery ticket only cost a buck. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, hey, that's a great deal, isn't it? Um, but what are your odds? So, so when you think about these things, there's accidental death and dismemberment. But when, when I look at what you can buy through work, look at what the company already provides. Now, if you're an executive, you may have a certain amount of either your salary or just an amount of life insurance provided for you. And if that's the case, I would tell you, hey, beware. There's, there's a table called the PS58 rates, and they impute income to you, and you pay tax on that income yeah. for that benefit above $50,000. we are getting a little complicated or technical here, but I would say just be aware of that. Can, can I make one other point, though? Sure. It, because also be aware of what types of life insurance you could get outside of work. Sure. Because through inside work, you've got to look, okay, AD&D or, sorry, accidental death and dismemberment or, or just group term life. But outside of work, you could get a return of premium. Yeah. If, if that is most appropriate for you. And um, re- return of premium term insurance. Exa- yeah, I'm sorry. Which yep, means if yep. my term insurance premium was $800 a year, I might be able to buy a return of premium for 1000 I pay that for 20 years. At the end of 20 years, I get that 20000 back. It, yeah, if you didn't. So to cut through all that jargon, yeah. the point is yeah, yeah. you may have more flexibility in the way that you customize your life insurance if you're doing it privately on your own. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, flexibility is good, but also... Um, stability or consistency was a point that you made in our last segment. If if every three to five years you're just an average person who changes jobs and your life insurance benefits at one employer are not what they were at another employer, um, you, you know, the, the risk is, is uh, that you maybe are underprepared just because you changed jobs. Right. That needs to be consistent regardless of where you work and regardless of how you pass away. Uh, in the interest of time, let's let's continue. So, what about disability insurance? Short term, long term? Do you need it? Do you not? What are, what are your quick thoughts here? I, I say long term disability is incredibly important. I think of it as the second most important type of insurance. Personally, health insurance um, I think should be one of the the main foundational types of insurance you put in place. So I actually say disability is more important than life insurance. Mm. Um, you, you know, the chances of you being disabled. Uh, quite quite frequently are, are higher than you passing away prematurely. Yeah. Um, and, you know, not only is it a hit to the family's income, but maybe you're still here and creating new expenses, and uh, that, that creates even more of a hardship for the family beyond even if, if you had passed away. Yeah, with a disability, your the, the hardship, the, the cost, the expenses that can come up Likely, uh, it, well, they're just different than life insurance. That if if you or your loved one passed away, and um, so I I would agree with you as to the priority, and I would also agree with you on the type long term disability, folks. I'm assuming your certified financial planner is helping you make this decision, but you need that. You need a strong policy. Short term disability disability. I'm not as convinced. Hopefully. You have an emergency fund funded. You've, you're working your budget, and you've got margin in your cash flow, and so you don't. Now, if in a short-term disability situation, it'd be great to have the insurance there. However, you're paying for it, so hopefully you've structured your financial life where you can save those premium dollars 
and not get short-term disability. Yeah, and the way I want you to think about this, Chris, is that typically you can insure about 66% of your income. And so look at what they offer through work and how much of your income do they allow you to insure with this long-term disability. When you look at that, typically it's less expensive if you're part of a group or you can buy it through work. So it should be uh, much less expensive. If you are not able to get it through work, then when you're you're buying a a policy for yourself, you want to make sure you're looking at the other kind of privileges, if you will, or the the, the benefits. Bells and whistles. Own occupation protection, gradual recovery benefits, these different types of things. So talk to your certified financial planner about disability insurance, what's the risk, and what's the most efficient way to transfer that risk. I don't say this that often, but Kevin Corhorn, that is well said. I mean, so... so <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I've ever heard you say it, actually. That is very appropriate. So if it's offered through work, disability most likely is going to be cheaper. If it's not, you're going to have a lot of flexibility and be aware of the bells and whistles. So, yes. hey, uh, what about the HSA or oh, flexible spending account? So we're going to hit that and a lot more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for spending part of your Saturday with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike, alongside Josh Gregory, alongside Kevin Corhorn in the KFG Studios. Thanks for being with us. Special thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for making the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. We've been answering the question of the week from Chris, and gosh, it's a big one. We're going real deep, folks. It's really about which employee benefits should you choose, what factors to consider when you're making those selections. If you have a question for us, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, or give us a call, shoot us a text, 574-222-2000. Lastly, Facebook, Twitter, and soon, YouTube, at Wise Money Radio. All right. Once again, we are addressing Chris's question. We just finished talking about life insurance and disability insurance. What about the HSA or a flexible spending account if you don't have a high deductible available to you? This, I think, it freezes a lot of people. They, they pause and say, wait, I don't want to lose the money that I'm putting in there, and I'm not sure exactly how it works. Plus, I need to take a ne- an extra step and set something up. And I think some people are reluctant. Let's talk about it. Should you sign up for the HSA if it's available to you? So if the if you have a high deductible health plan, you are eligible to contribute to an HSA. So think my health plan is a high deductible health plan. I can set up an HSA, which stands for Health Savings Account, and I can contribute money into that account. Yep. Th- there, are, there are two ways to do it. One way is via payroll deduction. There's two ways to get money into that health savings account. Yes, that's what I said. So you can do it <laughs> via payroll deduction. <laughs> Go ahead, uh, peanut gallery. That's I mean, so you can, commentary. So, okay, so you can get do it via payroll deduction. The thing that I like about doing it via payroll deduction is if I do it via payroll deduction, I don't pay my 7.65% percent of FICA. My employer doesn't pay it either. But if I'm contributing $6,000 to my HSA via payroll deduction, 
I just saved $500 in taxes. So that's a meaningful way to do it. The other way to do it is just to write a check to your HSA, and that's called an after-tax contribution, but then you deduct that on the front page, your tax return, making it a pre-tax if you, contribution. So you're going to get a tax write-off no matter what. It's just going to be bigger if it comes out of your paycheck because you're not only saving income taxes, but also Medicare and Social Security tax. That is correct. Okay. And so, and that's, that's a big deal. You want to know about that because if you are fully funding your HSA, you could be possibly leaving 500 bucks on the table if you're just writing a check once a year versus setting it up to do payroll deduction through your employer. Let me make a couple of distinctions here. N- number one, the HSA or health savings account is not use it or lose it. Correct. It's your money, folks, just like an IRA. And so the other question I know Kevin's chomped at the bit to answer is where do you set these things up? Is it through your employer or through a bank or through your financial advisor? We're going to touch on that. Just a second. Just a second. The other is with how ridiculous <laughs> healthcare costs are and rising prices. Folks, you've got to use the HSA if it's available to you because here's the deal. Uh, would you rather buy the stuff 25% off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you're going to be paying copays or some sort of medical expense out of pocket, even HSAs, some allow you for um, child care, would you rather pay full price or get 25, 30, 35% off? Folks, take the discount. Right. And I'm going to, I'm going to do even, I'm going to get into the planning aspect. So I like that. I'm using pre-tax money. I put it in. I pull it out. I go to the dentist. I give him my HSA debit card or I write an HSA check and I pay for the dentist. I pay for the optometrist. I pay for these things that my health insurance typically doesn't cover. I can go to the drugstore and buy certain things and use my HSA to pay for that. That's one strategy. So think an HSA spending account. I put money in, I pull it out. I put it in, I pull it out, and I'm using that and getting the 25 or whatever percent bump benefit from paying for these expenses with pre-tax dollars. Now, there's another strategy, and actually uh, we had a question from listener Kyle this week about should I put my money at the end of the year, I'm coming up upon a decision here, should I put my money into an IRA or into an HSA? So the first kind of type of HSA we talked about was a spending HSA. Put the money in, take it out, put it in, take it out. Probably zero balance at the end of the year. It's not use it or lose it, but it's quite possible you're you're burning through that money every year. The other approach to this, and it's a different approach, is to have an investing HSA. So think about this. As a family, I can put $6,750 into my HSA account this year. It's pre-tax money. It grows tax-deferred until I take it out. And if I do it right, I can pull it out completely tax-free. There's only two things in the tax code that where you can do that, folks. One is you own your own business, where you've received revenue and you spend that revenue on business purchases, okay, so that you've received revenue, you expense it, it's not taxed. The health savings account is a very, very unique animal in that the money you put in pre-tax, you spend it, and it's never taxed. Right. And if I make north of 193000 Oh, I don't know. I don't have it in front For of the me. Roth IRA. Yeah, close I'm, to that. I'm phased out at some point to contribute to a Roth IRA. 
But anyone who has a high deductible health plan can contribute to an HSA. So think about... So, so you're kind of uh, basically saying uh, build money up for the retirement medical expenses down the road. Let it be in a growth type of an account. Is is that where you're going with this? It is. and But I I actually suggest, suggest to people that they shoebox it. What in the world? <laughs> I buy my shoes on Amazon. I don't know. The, the, the Amazon box? Okay, so let's do this. So Is that in the tax code? Sure. So <laughs> let's take let's take listener Kyle. He's not yet 30. Pretend he puts money into his HSA, and he does this for 30 years. He gets to 60, and but what he's been doing is he's been shoeboxing it, which means he's taken all of his out-of-pocket medical expenses and the receipts for those, and he's put them in a shoebox, and he did it for 30 years. He was 30, and he funded his investing HSA, let that grow. Invested it. Invested it. Because it's long-term money. It's, it, if you're not going to spend it, it's long-term, so invest yep. it. Yep. But he's also saved all of his receipts for his medical expenses for the last 30 years. So on a He's six- a hoarder. Is what yes, you're saying. right. So no I, wonder that idea resonates with you. I love it. Uh, <laughs> you can't keep enough. So, so he, on, for his sixtieth birthday, he goes to the shoebox. His HSA account has grown to eighty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars. So he's got a hundred thousand dollars. He he put in a certain amount. There's a certain amount of growth in there, and he's got let's say $100,000 worth of receipts that he's paid over the last 30 years for medical expenses, he can pull that money out, all of it, tax-free. So there's no statute of limitations is what you're saying on reimbursing yourself for out-of-pocket medical expenses. It doesn't have to be in the same calendar year you're saying. That is correct. And that is an amazing distinction because what I'm doing and what we try to encourage people to do when we look at tax planning, this is because we're certified financial planners, we work in the six areas of CFP. When you do tax planning, you want to build tax diversification into your financial life. And so if you have access and are, you're able to fund an HSA and you've got sufficient cash flow to pay your medical expenses out of your cash flow, then let that HSA grow, baby. Mm invest that money, let it grow for the long term. And and that's probably worth uh, mentioning as well, because there may be some listeners who are thinking that there are two different types of HSAs out there. They're really, there's one type of HSA, but some are built as more of a savings account, more transactional in nature. There are a few companies out there that let you invest in things like mutual funds or or other things that are more growth oriented. So that's kind of how you're distinguishing between a spending HSA versus an investing HSA. Yeah, right? and, and just to give you a little foreshadowing, coming soon to a KFG office near you, <laughs> there will will likely have the KFG HSA that people can use to invest. Well, the point here is, folks, a, a certified financial planner, hopefully also on the Wise Money Show, you should be hearing creativity, creativity to your financial life. And it's going to take a lot of discipline, execution, and accountability to get something like that done. So we've got more discussion on which employee benefits fit, which ones you should pass on, that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name's Mike. I've got Josh and Kevin with me in the KFG studios. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any questions, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com. You can also catch up on previous episodes. This episode will be on there, oh, probably Tuesday. If you missed anything, want to catch up on that. All the previous episodes are right there. You can also subscribe, iTunes, Google Play. Just search Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. You can also give us a call, 574-222-2000, or send us a text. Lastly, Facebook, Twitter, soon to be YouTube, at Wise Money Radio. We are still test recording this, but it will... Gosh, I'm assuming we might even be airing this one. This is this is great. So come on. Um, all right, we are still tackling question of the week from Chris. Gosh, I've got a list of questions here that I w- would like to get to, but it's just so good. Here's what Chris asked: I'm just starting a new job and need to select which employee benefits to sign up for. As I was making my selection, life insurance stood out. Is it good to buy life insurance through work or not? Well, Chris, hopefully we tackled the life insurance question. We spent um, uh, quite a bit of time going round and round on that. We then hit disability. We just were talking about the health savings account and a lot of creative ideas coming from our own Kevin Corhorn about that. My guess is if I were to foreshadow as well, like Kevin did last segment, We'll probably be doing a show about HSAs coming up. There's just so much, yeah. and and they're they're That's just good stuff. It's it's on the political agenda as well with the uh, with potential tax reform. And I stutter when I say potential. Um, yeah. I'm not sick of winning yet. I I want to keep. I want to win. The right? Russians could hack your HSA. <laughs> All right, so let's do some popcorn quick uh, discussion about other other um, employee benefits that you might have available to you first. What do you guys think about the Aflac-type cancer insurance uh, opt-in, opt-out thoughts? Man, I I had to tread softly on that one uh, a week and a half ago. Met with a client, cancer survivor, told uh, her story of how she had turned down this offer, this type of insurance at work, and then weeks or months later found out that she had cancer. Yep. And uh, so now it's popping back up on their radar screen and uh, they feel more compelled to get it. But as we looked at the benefits uh, versus the cost, it was gonna cost about 500 bucks a year and the most that this policy would pay out if cancer did come back was five grand. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we framed it that way, they said, you know, we could go 10 years without this, this coming back and without it paying out and we'd be money ahead if we just saved more aggressively on this this type of insurance. I've, I've had people have these cover that have this policy and they've gotten cancer and they've received a payout. Um, I've had people just like Josh mentioned who have passed on this coverage and, and gotten cancer. Here's by default. So number one, folks, you've got to make this decision with your certified financial planner. Don't right. ask your coworker or your colleague what they're doing. Don't ask the HR manager. You got to address this for your own specific situation. But here's here's the deal. As sad as it is, and you guys know, folks, I'm dealing with some really nasty health stuff in my own family. Okay, um, so I'm I'm speaking unemotionally. If a if a tra- if a health tragedy happens, you've got health insurance to help cover that. Yes, you've got to come up with your deductible, but hopefully you've got an HSA. 
or you've got an emergency fund. And hopefully you've got a good budget where you're managing that. Now, would it be better when something awful happens that you can't control to receive a windfall of cash? Of course. <laughs> that's. I mean, it's not going to erase the emotional pain, but it, it will help. But at the same time, this stuff isn't for free. You've got to pay for it. And hopefully your financial life is structured maybe where, where you can pass on this coverage. That's what I would say. So. Yeah, I the thing that I love about doing this radio show is I get to listen to you guys and the thing the best part about our radio show in my humble opinion is we actually practice this stuff. We don't talk about it. We don't have rules of thumb that say, "Oh, you should have 10 times your income in cancer insurance." Stuff like that. Um so we're keeping it real here and I really appreciate that. I think it's just go back to the idea. It's a risk management decision. Do I live with the risk? Do I transfer the risks? Which risks do I want to transfer? When I check out at Best Buy, I don't want to transfer the risk that my printer might be faulty in the next two years. I'm not paying the twenty-seven bucks. I'm, I Your VCR is that what you mean? Yes. <laughs> if if my if my CD player uh, gets faulty here. So so I, I just think in terms of risk management, I'm working with my certified financial planner and they're giving me direction. I'm looking at cost, at benefit, doing the analysis, looking at my budget, does it work? Go ahead, Mike. Try and take emotion out of it. When you're talking about cancer, right. guys, this is scary, scary, scary stuff. So try and take emotion out of it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, okay, so what about a 401k plan that's available to you where there's no match? People look at those and they uh, they just they hate them. They can't stand them. What do you guys think? I think the 401k is one of the greatest inventions ever. The, the great thing that I love about the 401k is it it gets me in the right habit, kind of automatic good habit creating. Pay yourself first. Pay myself first. So the the I'm saving. I'm giving, I'm saving, I'm spending. It takes the saving component and puts it on autopilot. The best way to invest is systematically over time. The fancy term is dollar cost averaging. So do that. People say, well, wait a minute. I'm not getting anything from the company, so I shouldn't be putting money into the 401k. Bzz, total wrong answer. You need to look at the 401k, look at what your your savings goals are, and if you should be saving 15% of your income in order to someday be financially independent and be able to retire, how much of that 15% should go into your 401k with or without a match? And the other thing that I would look at is likely your 401k has a Roth component. Mm. So if your income is for some reason artificially low, yet you're in a position because you have some money someplace else, to put away some serious money, you may be able to pack 18 to 24 grand into the Roth component. Well, what you're alluding to is the tax planning aspect of a 401k, and that supersedes, in my opinion, whether or not there's a match. If you, if your income is too high for you to be able to save money into a pre-tax account anywhere else, maybe the 401k is your only option. And so whether your employer is throwing money in for you or not, it may be in your best interest to, to plan ahead and to save pre-tax into that 401k. Yeah, it really is mostly a tax discussion and a retirement planning discussion. And the fact that your employer is not matching, well, that's just too bad and maybe inconvenient, but don't let that derail you from your goals. 
gosh, if you're if you're upset that your employer is not matching, do everything you can to be able to retire someday and leave that employer. Be financially <laughs> independent, right? Um, and if you're an employer right now and you don't have a match, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, so what about okay? Here's this. What about prepaid legal? I'm I am always careful about anything that's prepaid because the I don't want to be smart enough to know how to use it. And it sounds really good in a, in a vacuum. When you're sitting there in the meeting and it's getting described to you, it can sound really good. But I know folks that have had prepaid legal for 10 years and never used it. And they come in and they say, well, I've had this for 10 years and I know this is a great benefit, but I've never used it. And so I personally, my, my personal bias is towards when I need to hire an attorney, I go and hire the right attorney at the right price and I'm prepared for that. And I, I don't have, I, I'm not prepaying for something that I may or may not use. Yeah. I'm going to just kind of wrap wrap this up in my response and curious how you guys would wrap it up too. Prepaid legal, I think there's the temptation to go rogue and just say, all right, I'm going to grab this attorney and just they're going to tell me what I need, as opposed to first, and which is this, the entire show has been about this, sit down with your certified financial planner and look at your entire financial life to say, what's appropriate for me, right? And and estate planning or legal issues, it would be no no different. So that, if, if I could encourage you for this entire hour's discussion, what's the big takeaway? Folks, when you start a new job, when you change jobs, when you get your first job, or every fall. You're going to have a list of very, very important decisions to make with your employee benefits. You want to make those decisions in the context of your overall financial plan, not just on the cost. Cost is a component, but you've got to look at what are your needs, what makes the most sense. And so if you need a financial planner, cfp.net, if you're in the area, would like our help, give us a call. We want to help. But but you, you need a certified financial planner helping you helping guide you in these decisions folks so thank you so much for being with us that's all the time we have for today on behalf of kevin corhorn joshua gregory and myself all of us at kfg have a great weekend we'll see you next saturday for wise money with corhorn financial group Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. 